there. You're listening to another episode of the Niagara Moon Podcast. How you doing? As always, I'm Thomas Irwin. I'm excited about the episode for this week. Attila from Houston came back. Attila, the wonderful multi-genre singer-songwriter, producer. Wonderful combination of ambient, electronic, uh, R&B. Just very talented guy. Back here again, talking with me about Kate Bush and the album Hounds of Love. Did not really know anything about this album uh, before Attila suggested it, and we had a blast. It's a long episode, so let's kick right into it. I only actually uh, was introduced to Kate Bush over the last, like, two years. You didn't grow up with Kate Bush? No. But you grew up with Bjork. I grew up with Bjork. And I, I found her, like, mid-high school. Like, But Kate Bush, I was literally introduced to, like, wow. a, maybe a year and a half, almost two years ago. Yeah. So, and yeah, no, it was two years ago because it was pre-pandemic, so it was 2019. Um like she's like proto Bjork in a lot of ways. I can totally see how she's been an inspiration for. Oh, heck yeah. Like as, as soon as I found out about her, I was like, yeah, poof, like my world opened up. My mind was like, oh my God, what? Like this is basically <laughs> Bjork's mother. What is wrong with you? You know, she birthed <laughs> this woman. <laughs> I mean, right off the bat. There is no other female artist I can think of, let's say in the 80s at least. Let's, let's narrow it down that much. In the 80s, nearly as groundbreaking and daring as, as pro, I mean, prolific, prolific, yeah, all that yeah. stuff too. But just like so marching to the beat of her own drum as Kate Bush. Like she's, she's an island. Yes. She's, she's a whole sound and genre onto herself. She is a whole island by herself. I completely agree with that. Like... Mm-hmm. I'm thinking Never Forever, um, Hounds of yeah. Love, and The Dreaming. They are, I think yeah. those are all 80s albums. Mm-hmm. The, pff, hello? <laughs> that little span of just those few, outside of all of her, like her entire discography, those three, who was doing anything like that? Who? I, I like, struggle to think of any. I mean, does the guy from uh, Pet Shop Boys appear on one of these songs? I felt like I recognized his speaking voice towards the end. And I, there's a little bit of the way Pet Shop Boys uh, orchestrates and blends like electronic and more like classical orchestra sounds. I kind of feel a little bit of a slight similarity there, but I'm still like it's, it's a stretch because what she does with her storytelling and lyrics there is are also a few spoken so different parts in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially on this album, there's a there's a lot of um, that sort of spoken sampling stuff going on, and and it coming into play, going in and out. Yeah, yeah. The early days of sampling, very that actually. Yeah, especially with this record. From what I remember um, learning about this record, is she created a lot of it like in her kitchen at home. Like had one of the the first like sampling keyboards and yeah. that's how you get all those like glass the Fairlight like, CMI sounds and things being hit. Yeah, yeah. I actually funny. Thank God you know these words. <laughs> like I remember learning stuff and then I'm like, what is it called? <laughs> um, but I can like describe it. Yeah, 
I think that's the synthesizer that showed up maybe on Thriller. I know that uh, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Dire Straits used it on their album Money for Nothing. Uh, definitely, it was like one of the early, just you can do anything with sound kind of like '80s workstations mm, and mm. cost a million dollars. And so you just you have the the upper crust of pop musicians of the day using it, but she uses it as well as any in such a in such a creative strange way. way. I love it. You know, just like in general, specifically with, I think with the, with this album more so, ah, dare I say more so Re- really it's out of, out of this like three album suite. I'm still thinking of just like her eighties yeah. albums in general. The, the, bass the first sounds, half of the eighties. Yeah. Really the first half of the eighties. Yeah. The, the sampling, the, that like fretless bass, weird kind Lots of sound. Of fretless bass. That's one of my yeah. favorite tones of like all time mm. when i hear it immediately i think k-push like i don't i don't know anyone else that treated the fretless bass in that way that processed it in that way because it creates this odd tone that's very like whimsical and like whirly and yeah you know um do you know the player jaco pastorius i don't so he's probably the most famous fretless bass player that I can think of. He did a lot more in the jazz world, but uh, okay. he plays on a Joni Mitchell Ooh. album or two, most famously on Hijira. Uh, you might want to dig in a Hijira. I probably need to, yeah. <laughs> we talked about that on this podcast, actually. But it's, it's yeah, there are very few examples of, of pop artists incorporating that kind of bass tone in a really cool, tasteful way mm-hmm. into their music. Mm-hmm. Um, Joni Mitchell is another artist who did it. I feel like she's kind of like the Kate Bush of the seventies in a lot of ways. No, yeah, I was literally gonna say like late late sixties and seventies stuff is like making a a resurgence. I guess you can say recently. I don't think it ever left. Ah, but um, <laughs> good, yeah, I mean, good music is good music. Um, I say, don't let me speak too soon now. <laughs> there's also the, uh, the a lot of the. So we're talking about the bass in this album, Hounds of Love, and yeah. there's certain songs where it, it has like these weird kind of sideways riffs. Um, another album that that sound and that 80s kind of production with the bass, another album that I really thought of was um, there's a band just called Japan. Interesting. And whatever, whatever their uh, biggest album is, I, I'm blanking on the name, but it has uh, songs like The Art of Parties. But that that sounded a lot and it came out years before hounds of love i i heard some some through lines there Mm -hmm. that that was uh one other album and uh a band that i was reminded of listening to this because i was not familiar with this before uh digging into it for the podcast so i was i was trying to place it in context like all right what other things from this era does this connect to or sound like and um it's few and far between overall. This yeah. is, I can see why this blew people's minds at the time. Yeah, no, for sure. There, there's, um, like you said, the, like kind of what you're grasping at with these different um, connections and through lines and um, similar tones and sounds and stuff like that. That's still like a short list. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's super short list, you know. But um, of course, looking back, we're like, yeah, there were some people doing that a little before, a little after, around her. But like in the moment, in that, you know, time frame, no, bye. <laughs> um, yeah. It just, oh. Tin I, Drum. Tin Drum was the album I was trying to think of. If you, if you, uh, if you check out Tin Drum, I think you're going to hear that, that bass tone that you like. And that the drums are kind of scattered and... and that sort of that digital feel from the band Japan you were talking about. 
Yeah. Tin Drum. Okay. Uh, Tin Drum by Japan. I recommend that okay. to any uh, Hounds of Love fan. Okay. Um, Interesting. But anyway... Not to get off track no, too much. Fine. And I meant to bring it back to that Pet Shop Boys reference you were saying, because yeah, yeah. I'm actually not familiar with them at all. The first song I heard by them is their like most recent track called Monkey Business. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> they've been playing it at numbers like incessantly every Friday. <laughs> oh. And I've been for the past like two or three Fridays, and I'm just like, I like this, but what is it? <laughs> Pet Shop Boys at Numbers. It's it's literally all the like '80s stuff, not just the hits, yeah. but like all like '80s artists and like what they've been doing, and you know, mm-hmm. also of course the hits, and then like some just underground industrial like beats, like as like an intermission, and like the screens come mm-hmm. down and they play the music videos and stuff like that. It's really funny. when are they gonna play Attila there? Right. Well, I don't. Unfortunately, I don't fit the sound palette, but oh well. I, I wouldn't sell yourself short on that. I mean. Um. <laughs> Anyway, sorry. Anyway, it's obviously there. There's uh, this album is very British. Yes, I didn't. You know, Japan. I believe is a British band. Uh, Pet Shop Boys. They're British, singing about the West End of London. Like they're she has a side to her that is very English. Uh, writing a song about Wuthering Heights and yes, there's there's a very European feel here, which is funny because she actually didn't like read the whole book or see the whole series she just like caught like the end of it and wrote it <laughs> well she's like 16 at the time yes right? it's it's so interesting and, and really impressive it's amazing yeah i love that song weathering heights that's that i mean that's such a clear example right off the bat of how unique an artist she is i mean never mind her singing voice mm-hmm. and the crazy imagine trying to sing that song at karaoke weathering heights oh i've seen it done <laughs> <laughs> To to um you know to what running uh, up that hill would be hard enough. I, just vary that. I mean, I, I've sang Babushka, so oh yeah, I know that's that, that's uncharted territory. That was insane of me to try, but I still did it. <laughs> so, is Hounds of Love your favorite Kate Bush album? No, because um, I know you're. <laughs> is it is it the Dreaming? Because that one's even more experimental. Uh, right? No, uh, well, the dreaming is more experimental, but it, it's that's also not my favorite. <laughs> I kind of bounced back and forth though. It's it's kind of hard to like pinpoint where I am on that. Well, I was I was looking up her Celtic background. I say Celtic lightly because I can't remember if it's if it's some Irish um, descent right. or Scottish descent, and I don't want to offend. Um, but I, cause I know she's like British of course, but there, there's also that other influence and it comes up in a couple of her albums, um, mm. namely like the jig of life, the red shoes, um, jig of life is a surprise, huh? Oh no, I love it. That's one of my favorite songs, <laughs> I, it, which is odd. I know you'd be like, what? No, I literally will like listen to just that song sometimes. And it wow. just, cause I love the switch up and the beat. And like the rhythms keep changing, and then there's like that spoken word rappy section, and, <laughs> and then there's like I put this one here, <laughs> place yeah. this one here, and it's like I place this one over here. It's just it, I love that, like the mix of it and like the the panning and all the effects and stuff. It's just it's so cool. <laughs> but it, it also reminds me of all we ever um is it all we ever look for, all we ever ask for. Hold on. I think it's all we ever look for. Yeah, it is. Yeah, all we all we ever all we ever look for from Never Forever because it has a um a section like that towards the back end where it literally hmm. sounds like 
like she's in a hall of doors and you hear her opening each door and it like has a different soundscape wow. and then she closes the door and then she goes to it like you hear her running and she goes to a different door and opens it into so a different creative. soundscape like it, it reminds me of that like there's some sort of through line there i guess i don't know yeah i mean that's she's also called progressive just like in, in terms of her genre yes i mean that that's not too far away from some pink floyd kind of audio trickery well, from what I remember learning of her, one of Pink Floyd's members is the one that discovered her. Oh, so wow. okay, yeah, that checks out. As because I could have sworn that was one of the things I learned. That was like one of the first things I learned about her, and I was like, "Well, I don't really know of this band, but I swear to God, I've seen one of their album covers on every freaking person's T-shirt." Oh yeah, no, <laughs> they're know? they're one of like the big five rock bands that just their imagery is everywhere in popular culture interesting i mean the rolling stone lips the uh the pink floyd prism yeah they're they're one of those groups. yeah the prism that thing yeah that one yeah yeah i had that shirt many years ago <laughs> still a cool image i mean even like saint vincent mentioned it recently on her um latest oh record. yeah huh because it was like a, a 60s, 70s sort of, you know, thing, the whole record. But she just like wrote about a bunch of different people on this one song called uh, The Melting of the Sun. And it was like mm. um, one line before. And then it was like, hello from the dark side of the moon. And I'm like, ah, ha, ha, ha. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But do you know. So there's like a whole bunch of references throughout that whole song. It's such a good record. Anyway, sorry. Continue. Anyway, big, big St. Vincent fan here as well. And I'm I bet obsessed with her. <laughs> I would bet she's quite influenced by hounds of love or at least uh, kate bush the artist yes and, and johnny mitchell tying together um so hounds of love it came out in 1985 mm-hmm. uh really kind of clinched her legacy it's definitely probably her most popular record and which is just crazy when you hear it some of these tracks and they're so weird and unusual mm-hmm. and just really her doing her thing and then you think, oh, the, but this was the critic, the commercial hit. Like exactly. that's just mind-boggling to me. That's what's sending me. And it's kind of this is an album where the two sides, the A, side one and side two, first half, second half, are really consciously split up and different from each other. Mm-hmm. I was definitely picking up on that, even without reading about how. It's the ninth wave. Yes. And it's this dreamlike journey. Yes. Like even without knowing that context, I was picking up something like that. Yeah. Oh, come on, ninth wave. I'm, you're educated. <laughs> I'm so glad you know about the ninth wave. <laughs> Wikipedia is all I'm, I'm, all I'm hey, going by here. But Wikipedia is our, our friends sometimes. But <laughs> I was just about to say, like, that's a whole story on its own that I could probably go into. There's people that don't even do through line stories like that in albums nowadays like that that is so inventive and wildly creative and strange and and also makes sense and and abstract yeah (laughs) it's all just it's all so good from and dream of sheep on down really some of the effects on like waking the witch Mm. and how she's glitching up the vocals there like oh my god feels 20 years ahead of its time yes just the different effects she processes I mean, I can see why she spent uh, like a year just on the the back end of of putting this album together, the production and everything. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Like, pfft, insane. I mean, the, for me, the first half of Waking the Witch is like the closest I think I've ever come to get, like getting physically, emotionally, like you know, 
hurt <laughs> by music. <laughs> I've I've never like felt like it's so heartbreaking because mm. like I'm especially me going into the ninth way of thinking of you know the the whole storyline from in dream of sheep and then under ice and then i hear waking the witch and that little piano part that that kind of repeats and has little variations and it's just like the really gentle like wake up wake up yeah wake up love you know like wake up girl pay attention <laughs> like all those little things and it just it's it's like her memories and you know all the different times in her life trying to like call her to wake up and and live and survive and you know like don't let being trapped in this river that froze over like take you away from your your family your husband and your your son and you know it like it kind of hurt i'm not gonna lie <laughs> mm. even now if i hear that like that song and i think um prologue from ariel those two songs like destroy me for whatever reason mm. so yeah i have to I'm sorry, I only know this album. I gotta check out the rest of the catalog. Yeah, no, I think I think you'll really like Ariel, actually. And that one's from the nineties? Yeah, that one's like all about like bird calls and um what do you call those things? Um like swaras, like with um with classic Indian um vocal stylings and tals and I, I don't know if I'm saying that right. But like how the how the voice and bird calls are similar and stuff like that it, it's all it's so interesting like the, yeah. the she cover really art, just does whatever she wants literally the cover art is it, it looks like hills or like mountains or whatever and like reflected in water but it's actually a waveform what yep i love how just my own kind of selfish personal taste i love how into just being a studio hermit she is like the idea of Goal number one is just immerse myself in the creation. Yes. You know, recording and the production of these songs. And anything I have to do out of that, you know, is just to get you to dive in and into the music. She eschewed public performance mm-hmm. for what, like 35 years or yeah, something? Yeah, 37. Um, <laughs> Not mistaken. Oh, I mean, I, it's, I just, I love it. I'm always, my interest is always peaked when an artist is like, nope, no time for all this extra promotional stuff and, and touring. No, I just got to dig into the recording. I'm always like, what's that going to sound like? Yep. And then she built her own home studio behind like her, what was it, her, her childhood home? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I, I didn't really, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't know. I think I read that on Wikipedia. But See, just, there's like little she, gaps. <laughs> she set up her own personal recording facility, yes. which was only vaguely starting to become a thing in the 80s. Right. And... Uh, uh, another interesting little blurb I read is is rather than she created demos, you know, artists will usually do that. They'll make a very kind of basic scratch version of the song they want to make. Yeah. She just fleshed out the demos and built on what had already started as this very intimate, like homespun recording process. She just fleshed that out rather than re-record everything, which was the convention back then. And nowadays That's like the norm. It's the norm now. There's a lot about this album and all the choices where I'm like, oh, this is like somebody from the future like went to the 80s and used 80s tools to make music but had like modern day sensibilities. Yeah. I mean, she was always ahead of it. The tone choices. and Always ahead of it. Let me see. I'm just like looking something up because I, I, I didn't want to say the wrong name, but there's literally a song um, that is in the ninth wave. 
um, that doesn't appear on the record. And it is called Under the Ivy. And that is actually one of my favorite songs off the record, but it's not on the record. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't hear the bonus tracks. Like, Under Ice is creepy, that. though. I know. Under Ice is so, like, um, what do you call it? It's, like, eerie, you know? But it's also, like, really cinematic. in a way. I don't know yeah. how to explain it. It's really good. I just, I love that. So, um, and all the like, propo- uh, excuse me, promotional like images uh, surrounding the ninth wave. Because basically, the ninth wave could have been a project by itself. Honestly, if we're being honest yeah, because Hounds of Love is is like the popular the numbers <laughs> that don't. They're each one isn't necessarily connected to the one before. Mm-hmm. Um, running up that hill is kind of a self-contained. Uh, well, actually, I did. Do you feel like there's a reprise of Running Up That Hill in uh, Hello Earth? The melody kind of kind is similar. Kind of, it feels like a nod to. It's slower, but it feels like a nod to what you've already heard over the course of the album a little mm-hmm. bit. I mean, and it's also like her resurgence into the world and into life, and yeah, kind of that, like going into the morning fog and returning to her family, and like you know what, I love you better now. You know, it's like that yeah. sort of thing, like just understanding this new, you know. So yeah, it's I don't know, it's it's really good. I I love that it does call back to the the top um, you know, part of the album, but there's clearly a, you know, different narrative going on um that I'm much more I think a fan of than what I I don't want to say too much, huh? So the the ninth wave really is is your jam with this album more The so ninth than wave the... hit me a little harder than I thought it would <laughs> once I understood the context yeah. of it more you know um but like if we're gonna go off of the first five tracks because like me saying that isn't saying much because i'm still obsessed with this you love it all yeah Yeah, i'm still obsessed with her i'm still obsessed with this album like that that does throw that out the window but like in my head i'm like i can also separate these two parts of the album in um you know regards to how much it kind of hit me but out of the first five tracks my absolute favorite is mother stands for comfort period point blank that's just what it is it's always been my favorite um and funny enough that's the first song i heard of kate bush wow and that's the first ballad on the album it kind of just takes the the intensity down for a oh bit. it is so good <laughs> which actually made a lot of sense as to why i liked the cuts that i liked off of never forever and why i was obsessed with the um back end of the dreaming because the, the, yeah. I don't know what it is about those cuts, but they just, ugh. It's like raw emotion and strange arrangements and these interesting sounds and tones and, you know, all that. So, um, And I felt like I, I kind of related to some parts of Mother Stands for Comfort as well as the use of sounds and the way they come in and go out. And the little, like I said, the glass breaking kind of samples, and which are more prevalent on, um, on Never Forever than on this record. But Mother Stands for Comfort definitely sticks out. Um, with some of those elements. And then of course cloud busting. I any t- any time I hear cloud busting, I'm I'm turning up. <laughs> I love the strings on this album and cloud busting in particular. Oh I my god. The, like hello. The orchestra section. <laughs> I was about to, I figured you would like that one. <laughs> oh yeah. That it's very your your sort of like string arrangement, you know, brain. It it gives that um I mean especially that that story in general behind that song is just so interesting to me. Like 
it's written from the perspective of the son of the man who was working on this machine that he was trying to hide from the government and whatever on his compound that he was living on, which was called Organon. And he truly believed that this machine he was working on and building or whatever would, um, the cloud buster would create rain and would like, you know, end like world drought and, wow. and stuff. It was really interesting, which he was like a, an, an inventor and an, like engineer of sorts or whatever. As far as I remember, um, I'm sure that there's like a whole story about him. And I think there's a whole a book actually, if I'm not mistaken, but this is from what I heard, this is the real guy. I, I don't remember this being. Yeah. A work of fiction. I, I was just reading about it. The, <laughs> it's a memoir by the son, Peter Reich. Uh, Thank the you. book's called a, a book of dreams. There you go. Which the idea again, I've, I mean, I hate to single out the female pop artist, but just any pop artist in the 80s. Uh, all right, one of my big tracks on the album is going to be based off of this obscure memoir about this very complicated relationship and then trying to invent a cloud busting. Like, that's just such a particular, just elevated choice so to, to make a song out of. I love it. Like, I'm sold so, right away. So, so, so good. Um, I mean, there there's a moment... Um, like that on oh god what am i tripping the oh the central world on that record um i think the actual song the central world um was supposed to be made out of a a poem by like uh ulysses or something like that i can't remember what it was but it was called like a flower of the mountain and she couldn't get the rights to use certain lines from the poem so she like worked away, like wrote a way around it and it came out to be that song. And it's like, oh my God, how did you even do, you know what I mean? <laughs> and like 20, 30 some odd years later, she finally got the rights and did like on her director's cut record that came out in like 2011. She redid it the way she originally wanted to do it. And for me, honestly, wow. personally, I was like, honey, you really knocked it out of the park the first time. <laughs> Yeah. So I was like, yeah. I would leave it alone, you know. But she she wrote that she wouldn't feel right ever if she wouldn't have at least done it the way she wanted to yeah. once. So it's like I'll give her that, you know. But yeah, it it, it just kind of reminds me of the of that sort of uh moment, like cloud busting, like pulling a very obscure reference and creating something catchy and slightly relatable, and you know, people are able to digest it and understand it and. It's also just so nice on the ears <laughs> and so interesting. Um, I think one of the cuts uh, on this record that kind of, I'm not going to say does the opposite, but I, I like the big sky. I just think it runs a little too long. I think, I think that's my thing. Cause it kind of made me not like it as much as I thought I would. Do you know what I mean? It just runs it just too, too long for you? me. It runs too uh. long. Oh, no, it's not. It's not too poppy. It's fun. I want to like run in a field and you know look Burn at the clouds and like. Sky. Oh my gosh! Look, this is look. This cloud looks like that. Yeah. Now it's changing in the big sky. Yeah. The cloud, you know, like <laughs> I, I'm perfectly fine with that. Like I'm so yeah. into the whole. You know, let's run through the field and enjoy being under the big sky. Like not a problem. It just runs away. I feel like the arrangement doesn't allow for mm. it to run as long as it does because uh, it's just it's kind of one-dimensional on the side of running up that hill and yeah you know hounds of love and mother stands for comfort and like even cloud busting mm. is yeah kind of one-dimensional but the way that it's sectioned 
Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So it's like you don't notice five minutes have gone by. <laughs> With this one, the big sky literally feels like it's like five and a half minutes and it's only four and a half. Yeah. Because I, I feel like big sky, you know, when you listen to the album in order, you already go through running up that hill, which yes. is, just has that unique magic of like the standout single. Hounds of Love just kind of setting up the more experimental tone for the rest of the album. Look, in the trees. And just, it's coming. Yeah, and <laughs> really cool. A lot of these songs feel like they have this rhythm of like chasing, like scrambling around in yes. the jungle to try to find. It's That's the, the tone. It's really cool. You get to Big Sky, and obviously we still both like the Big Sky, but it, it feels like it's still echoing the ideas of the first two songs before you then get to a track like Mother Stands for Comfort. Which is so. why I'm like, I feel like it, it causes a slight pause in the flow of the record, which makes me not like it even more so than <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to hear the, you know what I'm saying? But it's not like, right. I, I don't hate the big sky. Yeah. I just wish it was shorter. That's all. <laughs> um, but running up that hill, funny point about that song. Um, it was not. I, I know it's like the one of the first songs everyone hears by her. But like I said, Mother it was, it was one of the two mine. I knew. Yeah, of Kate, I, I didn't know anything about Kate Bush except that song, which I really liked. Which and was the Wuthering one? Heights. Oh, Wuther, okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say yeah. Wuthering Heights, um, running up that hill, and maybe Babushka are like the ones that people like hear or I had know. Heard because, of that one? Yeah. Well, because Babushka is like in karaoke, and like I've seen multiple. It's people a fun do. word to say, right? Did it mean grandma in Russian? Yeah, something like that. Interesting. Um, I love that song so much. I love that video. Just the imagery. Anyway, so what I was going to say about Running Up That Hill is that it's probably her catchiest song on this record. It's very, very much a hook, yeah. It's very poppy. You know, it's very like big stadium production. I love that, like driving rhythm that it has and the percussion and everything the weird sense and the weird oh my god that's whatever the synth yeah, patch is no, can well. someone bottle it up and send it to me thanks <laughs> like i want to i want to midi it up to my keyboard right now you know uh-huh. what i'm saying um it feels like one of those like profit patches or something like i would be so down to like see how that was created but anyway they um they've played running up that hill consistently every single friday at at numbers and every time i hear the oh like part i i'm yeah. like running running it's a good dance number oh it's i'm immediately i'm jumping my eyes are closed mm-hmm. i'm not talking anymore i'm i am now <laughs> vibing and i and i'm like singing at the top of my lungs i don't care if i'm screaming in someone's face right. you're gonna know it doesn't hurt me <laughs> yeah yeah oh. do you want to feel how it feels like you're gonna know okay <laughs> Do you want to know <laughs> that it doesn't hurt me? <laughs> like, I, yeah. And I don't, and see, that's the thing. The past couple of Fridays that I've been to Numbers, I have not been drinking at all. <laughs> I've literally only had water. And uh. I still turn up, like, just as much to this song for whatever reason. It just sends me, like, to the moon and back. Um, but the way that they play it, like, they kind of cut after the first chorus. And, like, it's like an extended mix. So they, you know, so it works for the club. So it keeps screwing yeah. me up. I'm like, I want to sing along. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, this is a very, like, sing-along type song, you know. It's sing-along, and it's it's one of the few that really invites dancing along to it. Because the rest, you'd have to get a little more imaginative in your in your moves, I guess. Oh, I would slink around to Mother Stands for Comfort. Like, don't you? <laughs> 
Right, but you get into like interpretive dance t- territory a little oh, more, not so much absolutely. Clubbing. Yeah, <laughs> even cloud busting, I would just be jumping. Like I don't care. <laughs> I will. I will rage to cloud busting. Yeah, vary that. But yeah, I mean... the 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 complement of the dancier, popular. You're fine. Start that sentence over. The uh, <laughs> the combination of side one being the popular, the dancier. For the most part, Mother Stands for Comfort kind of. But, I mean, that's more, it just feels like an 80s ballad. You, having that and then innovative experimental world, uh, conceptually driven ninth wave, that the, the strength of juxtaposing like that really does a lot for this album. On one record, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that might have been a lot of uh, what put it above, uh, you know, many of the others she did. I mean, it's, I, I aspire. <laughs> I simply aspire. That's all that's all I can really say is that like I aspire to be straightforward and conceptual on the same project and it still be just as as you know hard hitting and effective and uh received well and um even with I mean mixed reviews like you said any press is good press. So <laughs> like I don't mm. care about that like if it's received then I've done my job. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah, so. some people were saying it was too overwrought or over-decorated maybe. Or, I have um, a tendency to do that anyway, so that's why I think that's what makes me more I think that's that's taste. And I mean, peep, I don't think any, not, well, I shouldn't say any, but I don't think every single critic in 1985 is going to necessarily be on the wavelength of this <laughs> no. thing. This is, this is ahead of its time. Nope. And the U.S. never gave her her flowers. Yeah. Oh, they yeah. Just, the, yeah. She's she. They did her so dirty. The the themes she explores and the stories she's telling are really complex and nuanced. I don't know how much room there was for that in the late eighties and the which US. is funny because like, they try to categorize her as like rock and like alternative nah. rock, and I'm like, where? Nah, she would have sold better if it was rock. There's there's. That's a stretch. It's it's synth pop. I mean, there are some like more rocky yeah. cuts. You if you know, gotta put a name but... to it though. It's it's synth pop or art pop. At this I, point. I would it's, say it's... art pop for sure. Yeah, even art rock if you want to go there. You know, or like no, not chamber. I almost said chamber. Mm. Like, mm-mm, mm-mm. not quite. Not maybe, quite. <laughs> maybe uh, earlier releases of hers. Yeah, it's. Uh, how do you like the cover? The cover is freaking glamorous okay we've got the bloodhounds oh sorry the hounds of love my my, my fault the love hounds <laughs> the love hounds <laughs> i love that so yeah we have the love hounds her hair teased up to jesus and <laughs> she's wrapped in this like beautiful lavender looking like tool on top of this like silky maybe even tool as well background and there's just like little like bouquet i don't know how to say it like little little particles floating and it's like framed really like thick like yeah but i'm kind of into it i don't know it gives me very vinyl jacket so i'm like fine you know what i'm fine with it i mean i i literally have it here so (laughs) yeah you got the vinyl Mm -hmm. awesome i have this one and i have uh never forever and I'm working on my collection because working on the rest. I uh, I love how it's a purple backdrop because this album is so evocative of the color purple. I kn- 
I oh my god, I'm so glad like you said cloudy that. Cloudy purple. I'm so glad you said that. But it but the thing about that is that the texture to me is slightly wrong. People are going to shoot me down for this. I when I listen to this record, it gives me purple velvet. Mm. Not so much tulle. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Velvet. Yeah. Like it feels it feels a little heavier. But has a smooth. And there's a fog machine somewhere. There, there's a fog machine somewhere in this record, like the morning fog. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) oops. Right, right, right. Um, I mean, and and it just it gives me purple, and it's my favorite color. So of course, like this makes total sense to me. I and I love like purpley gray colors. So the Mm. thought of purple in fog, that's the exact like. That's the color. That's the vibe. What are your thoughts on the cover? Well, I, I really like it and all the points you made. Like, I think it's totally appropriate for the sound. And, you know, the way she's looking at the camera, like, she knows she's got something special here. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the dog's beautiful. Um, while the overall tone to me is very kind of like foggy and, uh, you know, the pounding drums. So we, we talked about purple, but her, her voice is so... What's the adjective for her voice? I mean, besides just Dynamic. totally unique. Because it's... It, yeah, certainly that. And it's it's so... If there's a better word, like a, a more favorable word for shrill... Mm, mm-hmm. I know what you mean. Piercing yeah. in a good way. Like yeah. a... It's so... Like it's it's like a deep scarlet. Yes. To me, it's, it's like it, it can be used to uh you know describe beauty or violence like it's a very uh sharp tool and she i can only imagine she really puts it to use in this album yeah in particular i mean okay so i know this is gonna be a weird question but what would you um say her voice is as an instrument Mm. i know what you mean by that question and i'm not sure i can Well, here's the problem. Mm-hmm. I've decided the answer, but I don't know how to. I don't know how to say Uh-oh. it. It's those uh, those uh, Irish bagpipes. Oh that pop my up god! On, like, Jig of life, the Yulian U- pipe. Yeah. Yulian <laughs> pipe. That's what I'm going to go with. Wow. Okay. That's oddly specific. <laughs> well, so is her voice. <laughs> I mean, that is very true. I love that. I I, I had a very run of the mill answer. So I was just going to say. Like she reminds the fair light. me, hmm? the Fairlight. <laughs> Loki, because it can do anything. No, she, uh, I mean, basically, but her voice kind of gives me like the emotive range of a violin. There's something yeah. like the shrillness reminds me of a freshly rosined bow, just scraping on the yeah. on the strings, and and the way that it, it's played and can you know lilt back and forth and can shoot straight up in the air and come right back down and. There's some vibrato and there's some more, you know, legato moments, I guess you could say, with no vibrato. It's very straight yeah, tone. Yeah. Um, but the range, I mean, it's there. And like I said, dynamic. That All that kind of yeah. comes together in like a string instrument. So I, I say violin, but I really just mean strings in general. It just... Yeah. You know, okay, yeah, I see that. That's where I'm at with it. Yeah, it's just everything really came together the 
The drum programming really helps too. I mean, yes. it's firmly of its time, like it's really dated. But I don't care about dated. Uh, Del Palmer, I guess that that's who's in charge of the the Lindrum programming. I hear a lot of Lindrum on this. Who? Del Palmer. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Wait, didn't he play the bass on this? Derek, Derek Palmer. Uh, he played bass on some of the okay. tracks as well, okay. but he's also credited as the uh, Lindrum programming. And, I, and the, I'm obsessed with Lindrum. That drum machine definitely has a big, plays a big part on this mm. album. But the processing is not indicative of, you know, the original, like, Lindrum samples. Not all of them, at least. Uh, there, there's some that's, like, yeah. more obvious than others, but the processing is so interesting. I Again, I love that she just made a recording environment that was just very homey and comfortable for her and got away from all the craziness of the 80s music industry and just delved into this art. I just think that's what happens when you're an introvert with, like, massive talent. Yeah, so she's pretty, I mean, I guess, yeah, she's pretty reserved. She's not a big uh, party performer. Unfortunately. That would make sense. (laughs) Yeah. I'm still kicking myself that I missed the Before the Dawn shows that she did in like I think it was twenty sixteen. Uh, oh my god. Yeah, twenty sixteen before the dawn. Oh my gosh. Like she literally <laughs> performed all the songs that I probably would have wanted to see her perform live. Which just kind of throws me for a loop. I mean, I'm I'm so glad she released the album. Supposedly they recorded the whole show. Um, but she for whatever reason will not release the recording of the the whole show, it would be like a concert film, you know, because it's it was like a production. Like there was staging and um, lots of props and different dancers and like actors in different you know outfits and there were fish heads and bones involved and some screen work and you know st- stuff being acted out. Like the ninth wave was like incredible apparently at this show because she like reshot or no not reshot she recorded um the vocals to and dream of sheep um while submerged in a like tank um with a a life vest (laughs) and it was like those are the vocals from her being in the tank so you hear like the water sloshing around and it's like the water is so cold so she's like shivering you can like hear the shivering in her voice and they just like lowered a mic above you know the tank um, and that's just like shown on the screen during the show. And they like, they released that video, thank God. So, um, oh it's God. like a, you know, more recent, uh, Kate Bush with these updated vocals of In Dream of Sheep. And then, um, I don't remember what they did for Under Ice. Um, apparently Waking the Witch was wild. And then watching You Without Me was like acted out by her son. And I can't remember who else. Um, but yeah, they acted it out and like, there was like spoken parts written and, um, like she's singing like off from where the little stage setup is on one side. And she's like over here singing the song, just like watching you all without me and I miss you and doing the like, like speak to me, talk to me. I'm here. It's me. You know, like, like, oh my God. Like, and I've seen little like sneak clips of it. Like people like holding their phones, just like shaking. Like, I know I'm not supposed to have my phone out. (laughs) (laughs) Like I had to catch a little bit of it. And I'm just like living vicariously through these people like i hate you but thank you because or else i would have never seen any of this and apparently the more oh i love first of all the arrangement of watching you without me um the i was gonna say that one was particularly like using 80s tools in a very like modern like contemporary to Mm -hmm. now way like just perfect sense of 
Like, what's cool about those sounds? Um, it reminds me of, funny enough, and you might actually agree with this. Um, it reminds me, as soon as I find it, I think, okay, because it was a live version of it, and that's probably why I'm... Um, Yes. Okay, so the arrangement slightly reminds me, um, strangely, of I See Who You Are by Bjork, mm. which I guess I could say the other way around. <laughs> I See Who You Are mm-hmm. reminds me of the, you know, the arrangement of, of uh, Watching You Without Me. And then the Watching You Without Me arrangement for Before the Dawn, the live version, is incredible. Like, it's so... I actually prefer that one, funny enough. Hmm. Um, it's not because of the modern you know, tools or the access to, to all these new things. It's just something about the arrangement with the spoken parts that come before it and knowing the nature of the performance. Um, I'm kind of like seeing it in my head as I'm listening to it. And it's just like the sounds are so good. It's so, it was treated so well. Even the morning fog from that live um, is, is incredible. Just so good. Mm. And just having like all the people come on stage, um, you know, that have like been with her since like the Katie Bush, you know, band and just all of that. Like, so I'm guessing it's like, um, I could be wrong with this. People can comment on it People later. People can attack you yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. Later or whatever. But uh, if I'm not mistaken, there were like a couple of her brothers, her son, um, an uncle of hers. Like there was a couple of people that were like in the band playing with her, you know, performing some of the like um, stuff, the acting, like her son did one of his original songs during the show. And yeah, it was just, I wish I was there. Wow. <laughs> I wish she, I knew about it. Like she keeps a really tight group mm-hmm. and gets lots of, get, gets lots of family involved. And she knows just how to have a really and good they're creative all still team. kicking. <laughs> and they're all still yeah. kicking. I mean, and she's pretty young too. Cause I mean, she became famous in the 70s, but like we touched on, she was like 16. So she's only, she's younger than my mom still. she's 62, you know. Yeah. So So I bet she hasn't hasn't lost her voice at all, I imagine. Um, Not exactly. It's just gotten deeper. Just changed. Yeah, it's just just gotten deeper. I, I find that it actually connects on a different level more so than um, what she might have been able to emote back in the day because her voice was a lot higher even when she wasn't yeah. singing very you know high very yeah. high when she sings low back in the day like on this album it's it's it sounds like it's it's not quite strained but it's very consciously like yes a high register trying to go to the bottom now yeah like she's yeah. reaching yeah. Down. reaching down yeah but now it's like that's kind of her starting okay area yeah and it's and it's like slightly smokier too okay and it just, it really, like, like I said, it connects on it. Like, I, I connect with it on, on a different level than, you know, with her older stuff, which is why I'm like, I'm glad that there's this chronicle of, you know, of her voice and how it's changed over time and the sound that she's, you know, journeyed through from then to now. Um, and that's why I love all of her projects equally, because like they all hit differently with, you know, within the, the context and the span of time and whatever. So. If you ever get a chance, I think you might like this record probably more than the other ones. It's just a bit of a long form record, Hmm. but it's um, 50 Words for Snow. Hmm. That one goes so in. (laughs) I'm 
obsessed with that album. It is so it's like slow and it's it's very like wintry, snowy and icy. There's a lot of um arrangement going on. There's a lot of piano. Her son sings on a couple of them, some of the backgrounds. There's uh, a a couple of collaborations with Elton John. Where oh. One of them it's not as it's not exactly credited on one of them though. I think that's Wild Man, which was one of the, one of the singles and so good. But he's definitely on the backgrounds. But um, Snowden at Wheeler Street, bye. <laughs> My favorite track on the whole record. Like the way it, it just measures like this like tension throughout the song, just dun, 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 just like as it grows and then mm. just boom, doom, 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 like it just it opens up so wide and then it comes back really close. And it's literally just about uh, a pair of lovers that keep finding each other in different centuries. Hmm. Like it's a time traveling love thing. That sounds like it wouldn't be too out of place on Hounds of Love. This uh, just searching right. for love through this wild, crazy ethereal wilderness. Yes. That's her, her whole thing. But now it's like more chilled out, you know, and, and it's from this, this different place and a different spot in her voice. Hmm. But they still they still do sing down though. I'm not gonna lie. Like there there's definitely some, you know, up in the rafters <laughs> moments. Oh, yeah. Okay. So she's definitely still got it. There's no doubt about that. Wow. Sorry for that tangent. No, not but at all. I, I, I <laughs> like again this I I don't know a ton about her myself. So just hearing you know I'm and I'm finally digging in. I'm curious. I'm glad you can share all your. Uh, your experience with her. Um, of I mean, that, that's that's why it's it's so interesting where this record is like a launch pad almost because right. you, can, you can pretty much find, um, in, you know, maybe not thematically, but sonically, you can always find some sort of callback to this record yep. somewhere in everything moving right. forward. And it's right. like... This, this overall era just kind of set the tone for the rest of... All the all the eighties records set the set the, the yeah. you know set it up basically. Yeah. Well, so if we were to uh encapsulate Hounds of Love in mm-hmm. three words, mm-hmm. what what would you go for? Um conceptual, adventurous, yeah. Um and dynamic. Yeah. Why not? Can't argue with that. What about you? Um well, I'm going to go chasing because, again, so much of this sounds like just on the hunt. The dog's running. I really – that imagery is perfect. Yes. Um, like running desperately trying to find love. So you got so chasing. So you took your shoes off and you threw them in the lake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, foggy. And I'll go Scarlet. Like I said, her voice is just this really deep – throbbing red oh yes just against this like beautiful soft purpley gray foggy color. yeah very very colorful album <sighs> i love those colors together honestly i don't think people put red and purple together enough so yeah. that makes total sense also a little aside from this mm-hmm. um because you keep mentioning fog and it's going to kill me if i don't mention it um i did a fundraiser for the houston uh freeze relief fund a couple months ago when that was going on. Yeah, yeah. And it was Kate Bush themed. 
And it was called Kate Jush <laughs> fundraiser for, for freeze uh, relief. And I actually did the fog from uh, the central world. And wow. that is like my favorite song on that record. I reproduced it. So I like turned the production on its head. You know, I, I definitely used some of the original sound or like the arrangement or whatever. And then I just changed it up. I shot a video tons of fog you know tons of like weird lights going on and like a pin spot just like dead at me and it was it was very fun we raised um some pretty good money to help people out and it was it was really fun it was put on by the space cadets uh who are actually going to be on america's got talent very soon so (laughs) right so i was like ooh, (laughs) look at me no um but yeah, so I just I had to mention that because like all this talk about fog, <laughs> and what was yeah. funny was was Trent from the Space Cadets had planned on doing a medley of all the like fog songs, so he was gonna do the fog, the morning fog, and yeah, I think one yeah. other song, and I was like, I planned on doing the fog. He was like, oh, okay, never mind. Well, th- that's fine, do it. <laughs> and then when he saw it, because there was like a live stream and they were hosting it, so when he saw it finally and everyone else saw it, he was like, never mind. I'm glad I did mm-hmm. not do the. fog. <laughs> you took it to the next level yeah i was like oh thank you like i, I that's such a huge compliment you know just especially to do with her and i'm like i said i'm so new to her but i just i really wanted to show up and show out for her um yeah. even though it wasn't like for her you know what i mean but it was it was themed her and i had something to do with it i was coming yeah. for blood <laughs> so it was just yeah it's amazing she she brings it out of me <laughs> wow. i'm just so thankful and glad i found her and or no yeah. sorry glad i was introduced to her let me say that um by a friend of mine uh Stu. they're also a music artist from out here so oh. and they they introduced me to her and never looked back <laughs> in turn i have to thank you for really uh you know pointing my attention towards her because there's you know you, you you're a music nerd for years and years and the amount of artists that are totally doing something off the wall mm-hmm. and and unique that you can really dig into, you know, prolific and uh, different eras and all that. You know, those the number of those kind of artists start to dwindle. So this is this is awesome to have her on my radar. So yeah, all right. Well, thank you for uh, for covering this with me today. This is a lot of fun. And thank you so much for having me. I'm enjoying being on the podcast again. Just can't wait to do a third. <laughs> I want to be three for three. Let's go. <laughs> Then maybe start my own. I mean, hey. Mm. (laughs) All right. That is going to do it for this week. Always a lovely time talking with Attila. Definitely would love to have him back. Maybe we'll talk about one of my favorites next time. Pull out something (laughs) really weird to, to confuse him. Um, But yes, great time all around. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, If you really like the podcast, hey, uh, you can leave a nice rating or review on iTunes and platforms such as that. Uh, Or just keep listening. That's really the the ticket. Um, But have a great week. I'll see you next time. I'm not quite sure what the next episode will be yet. Uh, It it gets hard to guess sometimes. You know, scheduling is, is tricky. Uh, but be back nonetheless. Have a great rest of your week. I'll see you later, Moondog. Bye-bye.